Good morning. Good morning, Room One. It's a nice Sunday morning here in San Clemente. And I want to welcome you to Room One. We've had some new members join since we rolled into quarter two. So I wanted to start today's coaching session off with a little model review um, for everybody because this is kind of our primary um, it's our primary coaching tool. It's not the only one. We have lots of different things we use, but um, I think it's the most powerful one. And it's the one that helps us really kind of dissect out what's going on in our own lives. And it shows us um, kind of where our blind spots might be. It helps us to understand what might be holding us back. Um, so it's very, very powerful. And I would like to encourage everybody to use it and practice with it daily. Consistency is the key. Um, so just to review here, the model um, is not new, okay? These principles have been around for ages, like a gazillion years. <clears throat> but what I like about the way it's presented in this way and the way Kelly and I have learned it is it's so easy. It's like a tool when it's in this form. And of course, surgeons love tools. So the model is made up of circumstances, which are outside of us, as you can see there. The circumstances are just the facts of life. They are the observable world. They are the conversations we have, the interactions, the um, um, basically anything that we could say would be provable in a court of law. And then our circumstances trigger us to have thoughts. Our brains are um, just processors. That's what they do. They try to make meaning out of the world constantly. So our brains take in tons of information from the outside world through our uh, sensory system. And then it takes in information from our internal world, and that's called enteroreception. And then it processes the information to make sense. And then it gives you thoughts. It spits out thoughts that <clears throat> basically create a story to help you understand what's going on in your environment. So the thought then will cause you to have a feeling and the feeling basically is just this reaction, electrochemical reaction that goes out to the body. And then your brain then interprets that as a feeling, anxious, sad, happy, joyful, excited, motivated, committed, downtrodden. I don't know. <clears throat> there are a gazillion of them. What's really important, though, is when we feel a certain way, we're going to do something. We're either going to want to maintain it or we're going to get away from it. So the feeling will drive us to do something. And that's where the A-line comes in. So it could be that we do something actively. It could be that we're inactive or reacting. And then finally, all of those actions will then sort of like culminate in the result that we are currently living in. And that is what I call the lived experience. So this is so good because all of this is within our realm of control. It doesn't seem like it until you learn how to harness the power of these, um, of this model. But often we feel like we're just kind of like at the mercy of any given circumstance, but it's not true. And there's so much power in figuring out where you can show up as the person you want to be or create the experience you want to have. And I think what's so powerful about this is in this thought line, 
hopefully we'll work through this and somebody will have something they want coached on. But um, often we'll come up with a, like a frenzy of thoughts and they're very disorganized and that's okay. If you just pick one and see what that's creating for you in your life, it's, it's really important to then like look under that thought and say, okay, what belief is actually supporting this? Because the beliefs that I come across most are I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I mean, it's it, it like drives most of our lives is this sense of unworthiness or not being good enough or undeserving in some way. Um, That's important, right? It's important to know that it's important to know what is driving our lives. What is driving our current lived experience. And if that is what it is, then is, is that okay with you? Like, is that acceptable for this one life that we have um, to be kind of just like going along with this concept of yourself anchored to what other people think about you or anchored to something that happened to you in your past rather than anchored to who you really are. And this is just a big invitation to figure out who you really are. Okay, so with that, I am going to rename folks and then um, if anybody has anything they'd like coached on, that would be wonderful. Um, And then hopefully as people come on, we're going to get going and be talking. Hopefully people will rename themselves, but that's okay. I can always stop and, and rename. All right, so... That is fantastic. Let's go ahead and then open it up to the group for coaching. Um, All you have to do is raise your hand um, or you could go into the chat. So we'll wait a second. Give people a little time. If there's anything you want to have coached on, it could be anything. It doesn't have to be work-related. It could be that you yelled at your kid yesterday or you your dog was sick or, um, you know, anything. So, um, you know, when there's uncomfortable silence, I feel compelled to start talking. So I'll give it a a little bit longer. And then if not, then I'll just share with you kind of what like I'm working on in my own coaching right now. Um, Anybody? Okay, so here we go. You're going to get the verbal onslaught of what I'm working on. Um, So I decided three weeks ago to leave surgery and become a full-time life coach. And this has been an amazing decision. I arrived at it after I was um, basically on spring break with my daughter. We were in San Diego and we were just having the most wonderful time. And I thought, what would it be like if I could just do this whenever I wanted? When I could just grab her and, and don't have to answer to anybody. And I can just go like create a day where we can have the most fun. And I thought, wow. I don't think I'll be able to do that if I stay in surgery, but I would be able to do that if I coach full time. So that was kind of the little kindling that started 
And then when I started to really kind of step into the idea of what I could do in our community, if I gave this my full effort, I was like, oh, shit, I think I might be holding myself back, actually. I think this job might actually be like the I like can't afford to stay a surgeon if what I could potentially do for the community would be so much more impactful if I did this full time. And so then uh, it was like game over after that. So I've been steadily making plans to transition out and um, it's going to take like six to eight months, but it is really exciting and very terrifying. Um, And uh, so I'll keep you guys posted all along as we go through this. And, and as I just sort of like continue to step into this new role. Um, we've had some more people join since I started jabbering. So if you have anything you want coached on, please raise your hand. Uh, and then you can just raise your hand or go into the chat. Okay, great. Here we go. Um, and then if you don't mind, when you join, go ahead and rename yourself so that we can keep your identity private. All right. So we're going to start with Sunshine. We're going to allow her to talk. Okay. I can you hear me. Yeah. Thanks. Um, I am brand new. This is my first session. Um, hey. And thanks. Yeah. I I joined. I actually have. So I really love my life, um, but I have an abusive partner. And two years ago, I was a victim of verbal abuse by him. And so I spent the last two years kind of scared to come to work, but he was also my friend. And so I never reported him until he threatened my other partner and mm. she called me sobbing in January. And so I had been taking notes of his abusive behavior for the previous two years. Yeah. And I basically submitted everything as a formal complaint. And mm-hmm. so he's basically kind of getting taken to task by HR and our medical executive committee. Yeah. But I'm sort of in the dark about what's actually happening. And I don't know. And um, I, I found that I am actually living in more fear now Mm. because I don't know if I don't know if like these whatever is happening is going to make him stop or if it's at some point he's going to retaliate against me because our group is so small I think he knows like my my partner that he attacked in January is was kind of the trigger for everything that's going on right now but Mm -hmm. um so I feel like I'm sort of a little bit in the background but he definitely knows that like I've been interviewed by HR, et cetera. So um, I'm really upset because I um, otherwise really love my life and my family and my job. It's my dream job. I want to stay here for the rest of my career. Um, But I'm like, why am I really going to spend the next like 25 years afraid to come to work because this jerk can't get his acts together basically yeah I think this is really a great topic to talk about so thank you very much for bringing it up and welcome to room one we are so happy to have you um okay so uh as you notice I renamed you so we're going to call you sunshine right now to keep you to keep your identity private and we'll just keep um as much of the details kind of vague about, you know, where you are and that sort of stuff, because we don't want any, anything to be, um, potentially damaging for you. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. So if we can just take what you just said and then create a little model with it, just like I, um, outlined a minute ago, you, the feeling you have is fear. 
you did, you said, and then let's put in the C line. So partner, um, said words to other partner, right? Cause it was verbal. Yes. And then just for the sake of kind of like creating a good clean model here, we want to make sure like up in that we could say verbally abusive, but that is more of like an editorial comment. Now I believe you, I'm not saying that that's not true. It's just like, he probably interprets it differently. So that tells us sure. that, like there's going to be a different interpretation. Um, but what we could put in there is like in quotes, like he said, you're an, you're an effing B or something like that. Like if that's what he said, we could put that in quotes, said partner said these words, quote, blah, blah, blah. So I'll just say partner said words to other partner. And um, he said them to you also in the past, right? Yes. And um, if you want to share the quote, that's fine, but you don't have to. And then, so you then filed uh, some kind of a report with your hospital. Yes. Okay. And then got interviewed. And then um, what else would, would we say are the facts of that? So you got interviewed. Uh, I mean, one thing that was very triggering for me is what after I had spent two years kind of afraid to come to work, she called me sobbing and said mm-hmm. she felt like she needed to get a restraining order against him. Wow. Okay. She, and I found that pretty triggering. Yeah. Cause she didn't know anything that had happened to me. It was, that was her own individual experience. And so the fact that she was made to feel that way also. Yeah. So we can, was, I've, I've just been really upset about it. Sure. So what did you think? Like when you, when you're thinking about these items in the circumstance, the things that like happened and um, that sort of thing, like what is your brain making it mean? That he's unpredictable and harms people in ways that nobody can anticipate. I don't, can you see the um, board here? Yeah. In ways they can't anticipate. Um, Now, Is there anything here that you're like making it mean about you? Like, is there anything that your brain is telling you like a should sentence? Like I should have said something sooner or I shouldn't have said something because now he's going to come after me or what's like under it. What does it mean? I definitely wish when I wish that when he had attacked me, I would have reported it back then because I, I do feel some guilt that I, I saw I, I witnessed four episodes of him attacking other people after he attacked me. Mm-hmm. So I feel some guilt that I didn't report it sooner to make it stop for these other people. Mm-hmm. And what do you think right now is more painful for you? The fear of retaliation? Cause I think you used the word retaliation earlier, or is it um, that you feel guilty, which, cause they're probably both happening, but we just want to work on the thing really that you want. It doesn't matter which one we choose. Actually, it's just whatever one you want to choose. Is it- um, I think it's the potential fear of retaliation. Um, cause the guilt, I, I, I have to leave that in the past. You know, I didn't report him cause he was my 
friend and I thought he was kind of having a bad situation in his own life mm-hmm. but um you know I've now recognized it's a pattern so I don't really feel like I can beat myself up about that but yeah I just want to feel safe coming to my job and um that's my fear I don't yeah. I, I I have fear that I'm going to be in fear forever <laughs> at my job okay because of that yeah. unpredictability and being in the All dark right. about what's happening I'm going to add that to the sea line. You don't know what's happening right now. Yes. And I don't think I'll ever know, you know, there's all of this, the way, you know, administration deals with discipline is confidential. So my expectation is that I never will know. And, you know, as a surgeon, it's like, we see a problem. We want the diagnosis and the treatment. And that's That's what makes us satisfied. Like that gallbladder sticking in the bucket. So I'm never going to know what the diagnosis or the treatment plan is. It's just kind of like out there in the dark. Yeah. So when you feel fear, then what are you doing? And it, and this could be like even stuff internally. A lot of times what we'll do is ruminate. We'll just be like thinking over and over again, like, we'll be beating ourselves up. We'll be like making up some kind of a future. That's for sure going to be bad. Um, so what is it that you are actually doing when you're coming from fear? I'm definitely ruminating. And that's actually why I joined this whole thing. (laughs) Um, because I'm, I'm also mad at myself that my own brain space isn't, it doesn't reflect like the actual joy that I should have in my own life. Um, it's like, I'm spending way too much time thinking about that fear than I should. And, um, that's kind of the main problem. And I've tried things like meditation or listening to a podcast that can help me deal with it. And, um, I'm, I feel like I'm reaching a roadblock. So yeah, here I am. So in the ruminating, what I'm hearing is, is you're actually judging yourself because of how you're reacting to this. Like you're judging the fact that you're having this response like that you're, yes. you're spending time thinking about it and then you're inventing um, like some kind of a bad outcome because you even said like, I'm going to, it's, I'm going to show up for 25 years scared to go to work. Like just even thinking that thought is an action, right? You think the thought, but as you think it, you make it your reality. So it's like you invent the bad future. Is there anything, are you judging him? Like what an a-hole or whatever? Um, I kind of, in a way, yes, because I've heard him say so many times how much he wants to be a good person. And so he seems like a giant fail to me, (laughs) but at the same time, um, I'm not sure if he has like, like an underlying disorder or diagnosis. And so, you know, if that's the case, maybe he just can't control himself. And so I feel like I can't really judge someone that you know has a problem that needs professional help so then you judge yourself for judging him (laughs) (laughs) this is really interesting by the way there's nothing wrong with you this is just what we do and I'll explain why in just a second um but here it's, so is there anything else that you can say you do when you're feeling fear besides all this internal stuff that you're doing, which feels like total shit, by the way? Um, not really. I mean, I otherwise kind of make 
the decisions I want to in my life in terms of like how I spend my time. Yeah. Um, so I heard you say like three times, like this is your dream job and like you want to stay here forever and yada, yada. But I want to just know, how is it your dream job if you have a partner who's abusive? Well, everything else I love about it. I actually, I love kind of my practice mix and I love all the other people I work with. I actually love our administrators of all things. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the location and I've developed a really um, good community um, just outside of work in the Mm -hmm. area. And it's in a um, kind of, it's not in an urban area. So like if I wanted to switch jobs, I'd have to like completely uproot my whole family. Uh So, um, so I, you know, the, and I feel very lucky. I mean, it's not very often that it was my first job out of training and Uh I feel like it's not very common to land in your first job out of training and want to stay there forever. Yeah, that's true. Um, so is there any element here in the A-line where you're like thinking about what if I have to leave this place that I love? Oh yeah, definitely. And it's partly the place, but partly my community. Um, Like I have a bunch of, I have this big group of girlfriends um, that aren't, they aren't medical, but it's like, these are the people I'm going to raise my kids with. And then if our husbands die, we're going to take care of each other when we get old. (laughs) It's like a really awesome group of ladies. Okay. Well, that's good. I want to put a pin in that because it sounds like you actually have a strong support system. I luckily do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what we can see here is with all this like internal action that's going on when we're ruminating, we're questioning, we're judging ourselves, we're judging the other person, we're like making up all this terrible stuff that is for sure going to happen in our, like our brain makes it sound so true and so likely. We are unable to really see any other outcome and, and it really just robs you of the ability to live in the present moment because you're so tied up in like making the present moment, um, you know, all about this guy and how this guy is going to impact your life. So we can see here that the result is, is if, oh, and by the way, I didn't say this in the original discussion of the model, our result is always going to tie back to the thought it will not tie back to the circumstance. Now it was triggered by the circumstance, but it's really important to see here that the result comes back to the thought, like he's unpredictable and can harm people in ways they can't anticipate. And if that's what you're thinking, that is what you're gonna prove to yourself as true fact. Okay. So so in all of this, it's like you, you think this thought, you're feeling fearful, and then you're ruminating and spending all this time making it true in your brain that he's unpredictable and will harm people in ways they can't anticipate. You basically prove to yourself he'll do that. Like he's, and then that is what you live in. Like you live in him already hurting you. Um, Now, I think it's very important to see how this is playing out. Now, maybe it's true that he's unpredictable and he can harm people in ways they can't anticipate. Like that, that may be true, 
but it does not have to um, like take over your life because honestly, like so much about life is unpredictable, right? We, it's just not top of mind. Like we don't go around thinking like I could die in a car crash today. Like it's It's kind of all of life. Yeah. It's all of life, but your brain can only see this. Our brains are like a giant um, spotlight. And once the spotlight is focused on the thing, it's like stuck there. It's stuck on that thing. And it just like, you can't even see anything outside the spotlight because it's totally dark. You can only see what's in the spotlight. So it's really interesting to me that like all of life is unpredictable, yet we don't really worry about it. Like we just kind of go on about life. We're not like stuck in our bedroom. I mean, most of us anyway, are stuck in our bedroom, like worried about the sky falling in. But what I just like to offer to you is that this response is completely normal. This is a hundred percent normal, like trauma response. And your trauma response is very perfect and beautiful and has a lot of elegance to it because it just is wanting to keep you alive. Like your brain wants you to be alive. So your brain now sees this as a threat and your brain is going to do whatever it takes to keep you alive. So it's normal. Okay. So the question is, is, is it working for you or not? And it sounds like it's not because you said you were trying different things. Now, let me ask you just a couple more questions. Have you had to deal with like crazy, terrible situations in the past, say with a patient, with a trauma, with um, anything, anything like major? Well, I've been, I've been fortunate. I've mostly been treated decently my whole life. And so this is, you know, other than a bad complication I had a few years back, this is kind of fairly high up on the level of traumatic things that's happened to me. But what about you taking care of other people that have gone through a traumatic thing? You're a surgeon, right? Have you had to like solve a complicated problem before? Yes, um, it's true because surgeries can be complicated. Mm-hmm. I, I have, but I've been more on the outside. You know, I haven't been as emotionally like harmed myself, I guess. No, I like, totally get to that. Kind of, I totally get yeah. that. I just want to know if you have done it. I want to know if you've like had to face a situation where you had to like make a plan and execute a plan because there was like a problem that needed to be solved. Not for something like this. I think when my people in my world have been going through their own traumatic experiences, I've been more of the listener and the support person, but I'm not the one making the plan. Yeah, I I totally get that. Maybe I'm like asking the question too vaguely, like in say in surgery, have you ever had to like take care of a patient where you had like a, I don't know, I don't know what kind of like surgery you do, but like, say you had to do a, a Whipple. And Mm -hmm. like a Whipple is what, like the hardest surgery for, um, like an abdominal surgeon. I don't know. I don't know if that's, I'm an orthopedic surgeon, so I don't know if that's true or not, but my mom just had duodenal cancer. So Whipple's top of mind. Um, Uh, but so like, have you ever had to face a complicated, so like patient situation where you were like, okay, like this is really, you know, going to be challenging. And I don't know, you know, what the outcome is going to be, but these are the steps I need to take. And these, this is my backup plan and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, what you're describing there is kind of what we do day in, day out. Right. So you have a lot of experience handling 
making a plan and executing a plan. Yes, that's true. (laughs) Okay. So what I want to do is just invite you to just consider, and this, your brain is going to like retaliate against this. So don't worry about that. Invite you to consider approaching something like this with a similar um, openness and curiosity and investigative skills that you might do for a patient who has a complicated problem. Okay. Um, because like, yes, this, he might retaliate. So worst case scenario, he, he does that. And then what do you do? You have a plan and then you execute the, execute the plan. Now, maybe you don't want to, but it doesn't mean you can't like, you're not helpless. I see. Um, and so what I find is that sometimes just thinking through like the, what the worst case scenario is and what you would have to do. And then just understanding that you can handle that, um, is relieving to a certain degree because you're like, oh, okay. Like right now, while it's this nebulous cloud in your brain, it seems so big and so heavy and so insurmountable. But once you like really look at it, it's like, okay, well, I have this group of people surrounding me who will help me. Um, You know, there are these steps we could take because it sounds like, honestly, it's not you is the one that needs to leave this group. If the worst case happens, it's this other dude that would need to leave the group. So there's got to be. That's my hope. I, <laughs> you know, I kind of think about that too. I'm like, would he, would he ever actually leave? Or that's the thing. I worry that I would have to be the one to leave for some reason, <laughs> which seems like ridiculous to be worried about that. It's not ridiculous. Your brain, <laughs> your brain is just trying to like come up with all these worst cases so that you stay safe. And that's totally normal. But we just want to like say, okay, brain, well, if you're going to come up with the worst case, then I'm going to make a plan that we can totally execute. Now, chances are you're never going to have to do that, but your brain will feel super, super good having, um, having the information out there, knowing that you're going to be okay. It's almost like assuaging your brain's response. So that's just one possibility of a way to approach this. But um, what I want to talk to you about really quickly is how we go from this model that we just outlined, which is basically your default, totally normal default primal brain programming and see how you can try to be a little bit more intentional about it, which might help your lived experience be better in the moment. Okay. So we keep the circumstances same because that's outside of us. And that's what we currently can't change. Now you can change it because you could leave. Like you could just be like, I'm out of here. This is, this is stupid. I'm not going to stay. Um, but you don't want to do that. So we want to keep the C the same. I'm just going to abbreviate with partner issues. Now you also mentioned that your administration is really good and you like them. Yeah, it's true. So just with that little reminder, how, is there any way that you would want to think about this or feel about this situation? Like any way it could be outrageous. It could be, you know, your brain's not going to want to go there, but just think of any way in which you would prefer to think about this situation. Um, I would rather be objective and just kind of trust that the system will kind of find a way to control you know, how he acts. And, um, I guess I don't really know 
what else to say? I, I think just wanting to feel safe going to work is the main thing. Okay. So is it like, I trust the system or is it like, I want to feel safe going to work? I think I want to feel safe going to work. Okay. And just to not be thinking about it and ruminating about it. Yeah. So, um, it sounds like the result is going to be, you want to feel safe going to work. Yes. What would you need to do to feel safe going to work? I think what you were saying previously is true that I kind of, kind of create catastrophes in my head about potential future outcomes that are probably worse than reality. Mm-hmm. So I would like to have more control uh, over those thoughts and just eliminating them from my brain. So I'm living in like the present reality and not some like catastrophe in the future. Yeah. So that's probably not going to happen. It probably won't, but that's all right. Because like being able to catastrophize is important. Like that's a part of our primal, like trauma response where we need to be able to catastrophize when it's, when it's necessary, you know, like we need to be able to have that response when it's necessary, but right now it's not necessary. So I think one thing I could offer you is when you catch yourself ruminating, you can have compassion for yourself rather than judgment. That would help. (laughs) Right? Like you can do that on purpose. You can be like, oh, oh, there's my brain doing that thing again, that it's has this like built-in reflex to do. Like you don't need to judge it. You can just allow it to be there because it's a part of our biology. Gotcha. You know, so I'm going to put that in the action line, catch yourself ruminating. And then answer it with compassion instead of judgment. That takes practice because we're not in the habit of having compassion for ourselves. That's a whole other topic. Um, But it's like, it's just a part of your biology. And so right now it's made so much worse because you don't, you don't like it. You don't want it to be there. You resist it, you judge it. And it just makes it like in fuego in your brain. That's so, true. Cause when I'm doing it, I beat myself up overdoing it. Right. And that makes <laughs> yeah. it So it's like a downward spiral. That's right. So I just like to invite you the next time you catch yourself ruminating to say, Oh, this isn't a problem. That's like a biological response. Of course I'm ruminating. It's a scary situation. Of course I'm ruminating. Like I can just have compassion for myself and the response that I'm having and then drop it. So then also I'd like to add, maybe you could practice trusting the admin in your brain, right? Like you can just like gently remind yourself, okay, admin's great here. They'll have our backs. And you can even like think of all the ways in which admin has had your back in the past. Sure. You know? I think Um, that's true. What else would you need to do to feel safe going to work? Um, I mean, I think focusing on how much I enjoy my day in and day out Um, because I don't even have to interact with him much like we used to interact more um, but we get to kind of like if you're hanging out in the doctor's lounge choosing who you have a conversation with and um, but right now it's like my practice can exist like without having to talk to him much about anything except for every few months when we're cross-covering patients Right. So, and then if, say he did verbally abuse you again, like, what would you do if he did that? 
I mean, I would just, I'd report it and I know all the people I need to report to. Yeah. And would you, would you have like something in mind that you could say to just be like, stop, this is um, not appropriate and then remove yourself from the situation? Yes. I mean, I've kind of thought about that in my head um, in which I would envision myself not even engaging him, like just not like responding and saying stop and go away basically yeah so I'm just gonna label that as make a plan make a plan to handle like just to handle a confrontation because if you have that plan and it's practiced ahead of time it'll be much much easier to do it okay okay um so in the, so to feel safe going to work, I put that in the result line. And so we're going to like list the actions you need to do to feel safe at work, catch yourself ruminating and have compassion for yourself in those moments. Trust your admin that they know what they're doing. Focus on what you actually enjoy about your job and make a plan to handle a confrontation. Should it, should it arise now, how would you need to feel to do those actions? Um, I mean, I guess just that that concept of safety. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. I feel like I should be able to do it if I'm happy or sad or, you know, it seems like, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, I understand what you think about safety, but it's like you have your back either way. So if you're having a good day, bad day or whatever, like, how would you need to feel to be able to do these actions? Would it be something like confident, motivated, committed? Um, uh, yeah, I'd say confident. Involved, um, which I mean, like, confident what? that I'm doing the right thing or that I, um, that I, I have, I have confidence in my own behavior. Yeah. Terms, I guess so. And um, so I think that's a thing that I feel like I have confidence in. That, that's great because confidence that, is super powerful. So if and I've been hoping this in this whole process that our administration recognizes that. Like, yeah. I don't have any like behavioral issues in my own file. And so I've kind of hoped that that kind of leans credence to what I have to say Yeah, about the circumstance. So what would you need to think to feel confident to do those things? Um, I think just that I'm not the one at fault and that the system is created for a reason. Yeah. And it sounds like based on what you just said about how you like have confidence in your own behavior, it's like you trust yourself and the system. Yes. Like that's what you have control over. And that's like the opposite of what you just said, where it's like, this isn't my fault. Like the counter to that is like, and I trust myself in the system. Yes. So I'm going to put your thought here. This isn't my fault. Whoops, I would be a bad teacher, like third grade. My mom would be mortified at my writing. Um, Okay, this isn't my fault. I trust, I'm going to say myself 
which is the most important part and the system. Like, do you see how that's like available to you? Yeah. So here's the interesting thing is this is available to you and it's true. Like we know it's true. We know you can solve complicated problems. We know you trust yourself in your own behavior. And the interesting thing is, is that if this guy does anything else, every single time he comes back and does something that's abusive, you have the ability to put another mark in his chart so that at some point in time, there's enough evidence that supports a pattern for him, not for you. Right. You know, so that's another idea that like when your brain is like, this is going to be painful for 25 years. Like if he's, if he's, it's like almost like, well, if he's going to be abusive, then bring it on, bro. Cause I'm going to make sure that this doesn't happen anymore. I'm going to make sure that I'm doing what I can do for myself and for everybody here. Right. So it's almost like then you don't have to be afraid that he's going to come after you. It's like, bring it. Come after me, bro. Come at me, bro. I'm kind of yeah. a little bit like trying to be comedic about that, but I, it's um, probably not necessary to do that. Now, there's one more thing that I wanted to add about this. Like the first model is just what we normally do as humans. It's because we have negative bias. We, um, we like we want to fit in. We don't want to ruffle feathers. We don't want to rock the boat. And that all has to do with our sense of safety. Our brain is so hell bent on creating a sense of safety for us. But this, what we just did in this intentional model um, is super doable, but it has to come from a different part of your brain. So for the first model, it comes from the primitive brain where all of those like survival responses are really, really entrenched. And this, the intentional model has to come from the prefrontal cortex. And what's tricky about this is that when you're in a stressful situation and your cortisol's running and your adrenaline's running and all that stuff, like when we're in a stress response, it makes accessing the prefrontal cortex really hard. So I would just like to invite you then to use those other tricks that you've already learned, not tricks, but tools like meditation. And you mentioned one other one which are really designed to regulate your nervous system. So they're super useful. And that could be the bridge that you need to get your system regulated to go from the default programming into a more intentional space. So it can all kind of fit together. But the more you practice, this is all about consistency and practice, 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 redirecting that spotlight into a place you actually want it to be. Um, then it becomes easier and easier and it just opens up your brain to see a broader picture. And it doesn't mean that we make the scary part go away. It just means that the scary part doesn't become an inferno and take over your life. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So what questions do you have? That was super good. What questions can I answer for you? Cause we kind of like went fast through all of that. Um, I think just that the redirecting, I think when you say you have to practice it, I feel like I've been trying to do that and failing at it. So, but I think that the concept of having compassion for myself is going to be kind of a big change moving forward. 
Mm-hmm. I guess that's not a question. That's more of like a comment. <laughs> no, but it's true because even in the way you just said that, you said like trying to redirect and failing, that statement is a judgment. Like yeah. you're, you're telling yourself you're failing at something and surgeons do this constantly. It's kind of funny, actually. Like we always are like, I'm not doing the thing right. I'm not doing it good enough. I'm like, I need to be better at this. No. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, no, this, this is not meant to like be one more thing to add to your pile that you need to do perfectly. Yep. (laughs) The pile's big enough. (laughs) The pile is big enough. And in fact, the more you practice having compassion for these natural biologic things that you have going on in your brain and in your body, it's like, oh yeah, like, duh, of course I feel this way. So Thank goodness I have this response. Now I don't need to really worry about that anymore. And I can just actively direct wherever you want. You can point your spotlight wherever you want. And then the, the more you can expand that perspective, the more your brain will then find evidence in your environment to support something else. So the more you practice shining your spotlight in this intentional way, your brain will find more and more evidence that's going to support that. And then all of a sudden your lived experience becomes, I feel safe. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That was awesome. Thank you so much, sunshine. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and mute you or lower your hand. Now, That was super good. Do we have anybody else that wants any coaching today? Anybody else? I think this was an awesome one to talk about because so often we have these default responses happening where it is just nothing more than a biological reflex. And once we understand that it's a biological reflex, and then you can kind of look to see like what beliefs you have that are supporting, you know, the current, the current result, it opens your brain and your body up for all these possibilities for what you never even considered would be possible for your life. Um, that's kind of something that I've been like really fascinated by lately is, you know, how do, how do we define ourselves? Like what is the anchor that we define ourselves? Like mine has always been, I define myself by my past, past experiences, my, my childhood, what my dad thinks and all this stuff. I'm like, why do I do that? Like we always have this anchor, but what if we were anchored to our internal sense of self? What if we were anchored to something that has strength within us? And it sounds like for sunshine, she said with, with a lot of gusto, actually, like, I, I know that I have good behavior. I know that about myself. Like that's something to to then anchor yourself to and to practice thinking like that. Um, that's awesome. So I'll just stay on for a couple more minutes. If people, um, have anything else we could do like a lightning round. And then if not, then we can just end 10 minutes early.
Okay. Well, um, thank you so much, Sunshine, for sharing with us today. And you've got this. And I can't wait to see you all next time. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful Sunday.